Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. I am your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I am thrilled to share with you the opera and classical singers about whom I am most passionate. I hope that when you hear these voices, you might echo me in saying, God, I love her, or God, I love him. Now, Without any further ado, I bring you this week's episode. Welcome to episode 25 of Counter Melody. <laughs> this might shock you all, but I have gone back into the closet just to record these introductions to the numbers that I'm going to play for you today. As I promised you, we are doing part two of Mirella Freni this week. Thanks to my friend Tim, with whom I am staying, he helped me come up with this title, Freni on the Fringe. Now, Mirella Freni never did anything crazy like Hildegard Behrens and and sang Luciano Berio or anything like that. No, but I'm going to present her in repertoire that might have been considered uncharacteristic. Let's just put it that way, okay? <coughs> so what you just heard, apart from the barking of Sydney, my canine hostess here in Hawaii, she gets very excited by things, and so you may be hearing her from time to time during the course of this episode. <coughs> That was Freni singing Vagodendo from a 1962 La Scala production of Xerxes, or Cerse. I'm going to play one more thing from Cerse for you, and that is an aria called Nemen Colombra d'Infedeltà, again sung by the character Romilda. This one is a much less perky aria, but it's very plangent in the most beautiful Handel sense.
So that was Freni singing Handel. Perhaps she's rather removed from the historically informed performance practice of today, but I much prefer what Freni was doing. I find her performance full of charm and expressivity. Some of the early roles for which Franey was famous were things like Susanna, Zerlina, Adina, or the Ina roles, right? I don't think she ever sang Despina, but she certainly was one of the prime Susannas and Zerlinas of her time. It might surprise some of you to know that she also sang the Countess in Marriage of Figaro. I have for you a performance of her singing Dove Sono from 1974, again from La Scala, this with Claudio Abbado conducting. There are few short breaths and things like this, but I'm sorry, there were some very famous countesses who had similar issues with those long phrases in the aria. I think it's worth overlooking those for the extreme beauty that she brings to her performance.
one of Franey's early roles, in fact, her earliest role, her debut role, was Micaela in Carmen. She named her daughter Micaela. At the time, she thought Micaela was going to be her only operatic role. Thank goodness for all of us, she thought twice about that and resumed her operatic career after Micaela her daughter was born. She's very famous for her Gounod roles in particular. Her Juliette, which she did at the Met opposite Franco Corelli, was sublime. I heard her do it many years later in Chicago opposite Alfredo Kraus. That performance can be found on YouTube. I was not able to download it, however, otherwise I would play it for you. It is as exquisite as I remembered it back in the day. Neither of them were particularly close to their teenage years at that point, but man, did they create a beautiful illusion of youthfulness. I'll put a link to the YouTube clip on the show notes page. But another Gounod role was Mireille. She did a studio recording of that with Michel Plasson conducting, I believe the year was approximately 1979. I'm being very lazy today and I'm not researching the exact details of any of these things, but I'm pretty sure it was 1979. And this role has what might be my favorite big French opera scene, and that is what's called the Seine de la Croix. The C-R-A-U, the Croix, is a desert region in Provence where the opera takes place. Mireille is struggling to get herself across that desert, and there are two versions of this opera. In one of them, she survives, and in another one, she dies. And of course, I prefer the one where she dies. Anyway, she's at the very edge of her resources here. That is, Mireille is Freni has reserves to spare, and that is what makes her performance so extraordinary. There are a number of great, great, great recordings of this aria, most of them by French singers, quite honestly, but Freni gives it a really superlative effort, and her voice just goes on for days. 1979, she was just, well, she was still in her prime in the late 70s, and it even extended into the 80s, I'd say. Here's the Saint de la Croix from Mireille. Voici la vaste plaine. Oh, my God. 
At the beginning of last week's episode, we touched on Freni singing bel canto repertoire. Certainly she was well known for her adina, roles like that. Those aren't exactly um, taxing in terms of the coloratura requirements. She did do some big girl bel canto parts, including in 1976 in Bologna, she sang the role of Beatrice di Tenda, which is sort of the poor cousin of Bellini's operas. Also, La Straniera is not done terribly frequently, but Beatrice di Tenda was Bellini's penultimate opera, and it was not terribly successful. But I'm going to play for you the final scene of that opera, as Beatrice, falsely accused of infidelity, is sentenced to death and is going to have her head chopped off. Don't they usually do that to these poor women? (laughs) Beatrice has forgiven her rival, who's actually responsible for her death. She's forgiven her second husband, on whom she actually bestowed the title of Duke, and now he's using that power to put her to death. It's pretty nasty stuff. But Beatrice, she seems a little bit of a, I don't know, maybe a cipher as a character. She's not as fascinating as someone like Norma, for instance. But she does have some very beautiful music to sing, especially this final scene from the opera, so we'll listen to that.
I had recorded a lot of material last week in preparation for the first part of the Feni tribute, and I had spent a good deal of time talking about roles for which she was ill-suited. I'm not going to spend so much time on that. Those of you who know about those things, yeah, Verdi roles in particular. Elvira in Ernani. 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 Ernani was not a really good fit for her. We'll come back to that in a moment. Another role that she really was not so great in was Aida, which she sang for Carion in 1979, and then she repeated it a few years later in Houston. It was not one of her greatest moments. She also recorded Forza with Muti, again, rather overparted in this. But I will say, she did do some of the bigger Verdi parts, and they suited her beautifully, in particular her Desdemona, which she sang for the first time in 1970 with Carion. She also did Elisabetta and Don Carlo, a wonderful assumption, and Amelia Boccanegra in Simon Boccanegra. All wonderful, wonderful roles for her. Now, one thing that I discovered, and it was really kind of freaky to me, I don't know where this is from, it's just with piano, there are a few musical gaffes, but it's a performance of singing the bolero, of all things, from Vespri. As we heard in the Beatrice di Tenda and in the Puritani last week, she really was capable of singing coloratura quite beautifully. We also heard that in the Vagodendo, which opened the episode. Apart from a few musical gaffes, she sings the hell out of this thing. It's not the best recording of that we've ever heard. We'll leave that honor to Maria, for instance, or Anita Cerquetti. God, she's another one I'm going to have to cover very soon, because I love her down to the ground. But let's not get too far afield. Here's Freni singing Vespri Bolero. Thank you. 
mentioned Elvira in Ernani. She sang that in 1985 at La Scala, and there was a live recording made that was issued on EMI. The production was filmed. What's interesting is that she was scheduled to sing Elvira in other places as well. But after that single outing at La Scala, she decided, no, you know, this role really isn't for me. And so she was scheduled to do it in Chicago and said, you know what, I don't really want to do this. So she went to them and the management said, well, what do you want to do? We talked last week about Freni's second husband, Nikolai Gyarov, the wonderful Bulgarian basso. I think possibly because of his influence, she said, I'd like to sing Tatiana in Eugene Onegin. It was an opportunity for the two of them to perform together in a language that was different than she had ever sung before from that 1985 Chicago performance of Eugene Onegin, which was televised. We're going to listen to her performance of The Letter Scene. This was the first time she had sung the role. She is so fresh. She's so beautiful. You got to look at the video as well. You see what a superb actor she was. Very different than somebody like Renata Scotto, but a very, very good actor. You hear me? Thank you. 
Now, from a few years later, we have the final scene from Eugene Onegin. This performance must have been something. My friend Jerry Hadley was the Lensky and a baritone whom I adore with all of my being, Jorma Hüninen, the Finnish baritone, was Onegin. We're going to listen to a bit of that final scene. This performance, I believe, is from March 1989. I was delighted to find it yesterday, and they are both magnificent. Here it is, the final scene, where Tchaikovsky pulls out all the stops, and really, suddenly, these roles become hochdramatisch. Listen to what she does here, and what he does, for that matter. He's really stunning. Oh, <laughs> 
You don't really think of German repertoire, but do I have a wonderful surprise for you. I made reference to this last week. In 1973, she sang a performance of Richard Strauss's Vier Letzte Lieder. That's right, folks, the four last songs. I find it a really stunning performance on many levels. Now, in other ways, it's not completely under her skin, but it's so wonderful to hear a voice of this creaminess taking on these songs. I love the four last songs almost as much as I love my life. I just cannot live without these songs, and I find it often really interesting to hear singers that one wouldn't necessarily associate with Richard Strauss singing this music. There's a wonderful recording, for instance, of Sylvia Schasch. Now, if I have my way, we'll be paying tribute to Sylvia Schasch in the very near future. But right now, let's listen to Mirella Freni with Václav Smetacek conducting in Beim Schlafengehen from the four last songs. Yeah. 
So Mirella Freni loved the role of Butterfly. She's on record as saying that it really was one of her very favorite roles. But she never sang the entire role live. Now I say she never actually sang Butterfly in the house, but in fact, in 1991, when she, her husband Nikolai Gyarov, and Alfredo Kraus were all celebrating their 25th anniversaries, the Met presented a wonderful gala evening featuring all three artists in excerpts from operas that, in the third case, it was a role that Franey had never sung on stage and that she never sang again on stage. That is the Butterfly, of course. I'm going to play an excerpt from that. It's when Butterfly has been up all night staring through the little hole in the paper wall, waiting for Pinkerton to come up the hill and meet her. He never shows up. So, Suzuki rouses herself from sleep and says to Butterfly, the sun's up. You really gotta go upstairs and get some rest. So, Butterfly gathers up her child, Dolore, Sorrow, and sings a little lullaby to him as she carries him upstairs. Dormi, amor mio, dormi sul mio cor, tu sei con Dio, ed io col mio dolore. So we'll just listen to this little portion of her performance of that with Wendy White as Suzuki. Since we're back to Puccini, we're going to end the episode with a role for which Mirella Freni was a real paragon. We heard her Mimi last week. I think she's the greatest Mimi that ever existed on the face of the earth. You may try and dispute that with me. You can try. I have other Mimis I like as well. But Freni's is something special. But we're not going to talk about Mimi. Right now we're going to talk about Liu in Turandot. It's hard for me to say Turandot, but I follow the Rosa Raiza dictum that Puccini himself pronounced it without the final T. We're going to listen to Freni's 1977 recording of Signore Ascolta. And I'm going to see you off to end the episode on this. 
What I want you to notice is how beautifully she sings those final phrases, faultlessly, technically speaking. She starts really pianissimo and swells it to the absolute greatest extent that she can possibly sing it, but without ever forcing and without an ugly cutoff. It's so stunning. When I hear this, when I think about listening to it, I nearly break into tears. I hope you will have the same response that I did. Sydney clearly has been enjoying these performances very much, and rightfully so. <coughs> this closet doesn't have a light in it, and it's getting very close and really hot! Because I'm on vacation, and I'm kind of in vacation mode, next week I'm undecided what I'm going to offer you. I may just take some of my very favorite sopranos and put a few of their best tracks together and just let you bathe in the beauty. I think that will be a nice idea. So that's what I'm planning on doing next week. I think it's going to have to wait, but I have a special Hawaiian treat for you. An historic native Hawaiian tenor who is so magnificent. When I discovered him, I just about flipped my lid, and it was just this past week that I did. Thanks again to Mr. Timothy Carney, who introduced me to him. So I'm very grateful to him. His name is Tandy McKenzie, and I have found a record on the island of him singing some opera. The only stuff I've been able to find online is him singing Hawaiian songs, 
and a very interesting Rudolf Frimmel operetta in which he created a role. But I want to play some opera with him as well. You will be hearing him in two weeks. And then, of course, it will already be time for the April Fool's episode, which I'm so excited about and which is going to knock you people on your collective ears. Just believe me. You guys have all of my gratitude for the enthusiasm that you have shown me. I love doing these podcasts. It brings me more joy than almost anything in my life right now. I love reaching out to you, and I ask that in return that you help me get the word out, okay? I really, really, really need your help in that regard. I'm trying to figure out how to get more people to listen to the podcast, but certainly you can all do me a huge favor and pass on the news to your friends if you haven't already done so. Thank you. Until next week, my darling friends, keep this song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Kuntlach. <laughs>